Hello, welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're so happy to be here with you, here with each other, talking about some yarny stuff and some witchy stuff. Lots of good witchy stuff this week. Strap in. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. Hooray. So we kick it off with news. And our exciting news is that on Friday, February 10th, we are going to be having a Discord hangout for our patrons. Yeah, and that's for everybody at the $5 and up tier. It's going to be a Discord video chat, and that's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. West Coast Pacific time. That's the word I was looking for, 5 p.m. Pacific. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's this Friday. But if you're hearing this later, um, no big deal. This is something we're hoping to do in the future every month or every other month. So there will be much more times to hang out with us. Did I miss anything? I think that was everything. Mm-hmm. And then tell everybody where you'll be in the future for your um, shows. I will be in Lexington, Kentucky. I will be in Atlanta. I will be in Columbus, Ohio. Find all of the dates for such things on the events page on my website. If you scroll down to the footer, you can find it there. Nice. And it'll be in the show notes as well. And those are mostly events in March and April. Mm-hmm. My cat agrees. I don't he know agrees. if you can hear him. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic so we can jump right into our yarny content which we're a little light on this week but we have a media cult corner topic that we have been threatening to do since the very beginning and will turn into kind of a bigger thing we think Mm -hmm. big story anyway so yarny stuff i did finish a thing i finished a skein of hand spun oh i think it's really nice it's a nice chonky skein i haven't weighed it yet because i just went and got replacement batteries for my scale but I think it's probably about four ounces. And now that I washed and dried it, it looks to be about a sport DK weight. So ever since I got my e-spinner a few years ago, I started saving my single plies. And I spin mostly fingering and DK and two to three plies usually. So what I did is when I had three partial bobbins of just leftover singles, I plied them all together in a three ply. And this is what I got. Oh. It's... Uh, a little purple heavy because I tend to like a lot of purples like we all do. And um, it turned out really good. It's going to have long stretches of similar colors that kind of fade into each other. I like it because I put some of the sample roll eggs that I got from our friend Rapunzel Fiber Arts in here. And I was thinking about listing this for sale, but I don't think so. The more I look at it, I think I'm going to keep it, but I have... <laughs> I have no clue what to make with it. It's like I said, it's I'm a guessing fun it's Frankenstein. It's a really fun Frankenstein and it's light and lofty and woolen spun. I do do mostly a long draw woolen spinning technique. I don't know. What would you make with a nice ch- one single chubby bunny of DK? Probably a hat. Yeah. But but I have have too many hats i just don't know what to make with it you could make some sort of a a hand thing i could some sort of mitts mitts with a flappy top perhaps perhaps anyway i'll just have to cherish this and see see what it wants to be but i really really love it i think it's going to be some generous yardage nice yeah so what have you been working on this week i started a new project (gasps) i started a shawl with my teal torch knits mini skein set here it is mm-hmm. Ooh, i like but, it it's 
in the beginning stages of a angular shawl that looks like a, a pair of underwear. Yeah, it looks a little, a, a little panties like right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just going to be in a long jagged triangle. It's garter stitch. It's pretty vanilla. It's a nice potato chippy knit. And I'll probably write it up. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it for free or for money. Maybe maybe for Mm -hmm. like just a little money if I write it up. Oh, it's just a, I see what you're doing there. Just a simple garter situation. Yeah. 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 With uh, just some yarn overs. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's this mini skein set that I got from Teal Torch Knits. And I'm just doing it in the gradient color order. So, yeah. It's lovely. It's nice to work on. Super potato chippy. I love it. I think you should write it up for like a a low cost pattern mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. one that you could do like free for patrons and cost, you know, a couple bucks otherwise. Totes. Mm-hmm. I also have been working on my ultra potato chippy thing. So what I have for my potato chippy project at home is my oatmeal colored blob, which is my poncho that you helped me noodle on the design for. I worked through one full skein of that Prado de Lana natural stuff in essentially the same idea as your shawl. It's just knitting all the way around lines of increases, making it a geometric shape instead of, you know, half of a square, mine's a full square. Mm -hmm. So that's what I got going on here. It's kind of bunched up on the needles, um, but I started doing the hood. Ooh. Which is also bunched up on the needles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't look like anything exciting. I really just wanted to do the hood part. I decided to go with linen stitch for the hood because I wanted it to be a little denser of a fabric. And as per your suggestion, I picked up stitches around the opening and increased a little, actually a little more than twice the number of stitches because you don't want it to we be. we want a generous hood. Mm-hmm. You don't want to feel it's it like it's good. restricting your neck. It's no fun. Yeah, we don't want a head sock. I'm mm-hmm. not going for a head sock. I want a big, spacious cosplay hood mm-hmm. that like I can fully hide behind. Yeah. The whole point of this is to have a hooded poncho that I can be surreptitious in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so right now it's an oatmeal colored blob, but I'm hoping this will be a really fun hooded poncho. Oh. My plan on the hood part is I'm going to, I'm knitting in the round fully for this linen stitch part. I'm going to do probably about six inches of like cowl before I open it, like before I open it up, make the opening so that it's nice and generous. Nice. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make the hood longer than it has to be because I have the little fantasy of wearing my hair in my little space buns like I usually do and putting the hood up and it looking like Ahsoka when she puts a hood on and she's got Aww. her little pokey bits. Cute. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be fun. But the linen stitch is really slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've never done linen stitch before. It's just a slip stitch pattern, but you're slipping every other stitch, which means it takes it's you know didn't it twice as many rounds to get the same length as you would stock in it yeah but it's, it's also fabric i'm really happy with offset so you mm-hmm. kind of i feel like you have to think about it more than if you were just slipping the same stitch every round which is really easy to see visually but i don't know for me when i alternate it like that i have to like really make sure that i'm doing the right yeah. one yeah i can do it without looking but i do have to like check in mm-hmm like it, it's good for uh shows that I'm not super serious about and or are in my native language. Like I couldn't subtitles and do this, but mm-hmm. I can, you know, show in English and this. 
Legit. Yeah. And I did put in a couple rows on my vanilla hat, but the, my main squeeze has still been my temperature blanket. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I got to start the February pattern, which is Ooh. these little like rhombuses. Mm-hmm. And Rhombus. it's been a lot of fun. I've made it a couple inches. Yay. Hey, that's nice. Have you been, what else have you been working on? I worked a bit on my Lord of the Rings blanket. I do have it here, but mm-hmm. I don't know need to pull it out it's just that the old toby green strip has gotten a bit longer nice nice sweet and i finished my painting i was working on but it's it's already at the gallery so i don't have it here (laughs) yeah that it looks so good and you can check out it's on emily's instagram or when they get when the show opens up it'll be available for purchase yeah (laughs) that's awesome is the gallery open to an online sale? I think they would be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So if you love it, when the exhibit opens, you can contact the gallery and see if you can buy it. Yeah. Dope. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. You should go to Emily's Instagram and check it out. It sounds like such a rad concept for a show, too. The mixtape idea. Yeah. Basically, a b- fun. bunch of different artists do art inspired by a song. They play the mixtape that all the artists collectively worked on at the show. Yeah, it'll be cute. I shamelessly tagged Tegan and Sarah, the band that wrote the song my piece is inspired by in my Instagram post, but Mm -hmm. they didn't pay any attention to me. (laughs) It's okay. I am re-dying up my Mando yarn and I might shamelessly tag a certain celebrity. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) It hasn't worked for me before, but hey, Misha Collins has a ball of my yarn. Yeah. There is that. Anyway, (laughs) that's almost a weak clue into some of the things we're going to talk about. But first, you acquired some things. I did. I went to Target because Chad had food poisoning and I was getting him some provisions like Gatorade and, you know, oyster crackers, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Um, But I got myself some little treats while I was there. And one of them was a blind box figure which is really mm-hmm. cute. It's Afmau, Mystery Meemouse, and they're cats. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a pancake cat. He's oh, like my goodness. a stack of pancakes and I want him. But they were all really, really cute. So I got one. And the one mm-hmm. that I got is this little black cat <gasps> with the pumpkin. Oh, I like that very much. It's He's very cute. Got a pumpkin on his head. His body's a little jack-o'-lantern. It's cute. And this is totally a non sequitur, but I finally got to the part of Steven Universe where pumpkin is a, is a thing. I love pumpkin. I love pumpkin. And that's what this little kitty cat reminds me of. It reminds me of pumpkin from Steven Universe. Totes, totes. Um, and then I also picked up this mini uh, rainbow pinata that was in the party section that I thought would be mm-hmm. like cute booth decoration maybe so mm-hmm. it's just a little little mini pinata it's very cute it is very cute and I got a fidget toy which is this mm-hmm. un- unpoppable ball that is very fun to play with you poke you poke the little nubbins in like a poppet and they like mm-hmm. pop back out because of air pressure so that would frustrate me that I couldn't pop all of them in at the same time. That's what Chad said too. <laughs> yeah, us cancers have the right idea. Yeah, but I I just think it's fun to mess with. So, and those were my things. Fantastic! It's time 
it's time for the topic that we, it turned out to be meatier than we thought. Yeah. Take it away, Emily. All right. Well, first of all, we've decided to do this part. We both listen to a lot of Behind the Bastards and it's a great podcast if you want to learn about terrible people in history, but we're doing it in that style. Emily is our Robert this week, has prepared a manuscript it's a not going to be as good as, as Roberts. <laughs> and I am going, I have skimmed the Wikipedia page and I am prepared to react. Yeah. Sir, can you not? He's just really excited. Mm-hmm. All right. Take it away, Emily. All right. Our topic is Alistair Crowley. Woo. He has come up on this podcast multiple times before because he was an occult influencer back in the day he was i guess he really got around to a lot of different places and met with like a ton of different people involved in various places of occult uh Mm -hmm. esotericism interests so he i mean dude comes up a lot so uh really does seem like a founding founding figure in modern occultism yeah yeah do do you um did you have any preconceived notions on him uh before we get into it i definitely knew the cliff notes i knew approximately when he was alive and that he was just a lover of spooky stuff and a secret society like he he loved him a secret society and i know that there are several characters that were directly inspired by him in media that i know Yes, I that was about where I was at, too. But I definitely thought that he was like a Satanist, which he wasn't. We'll talk about that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely had that impression that he was like, but didn't into- he say he was a Satanist sometimes to piss yes, off normies? He did. He loved to piss off normies. So which is funny because that's what a lot of the modern quote unquote Satanism. It's just a way to piss off normies. They don't actually worship. It's It's just the same thing of like independent liberty and with a veneer of of ticking off heteronormative christians yeah and his like nickname for himself was the beast 666 Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah yeah, so i i get it i get why why he is thought of as a satanist uh but he wasn't uh Mm -hmm. so yeah oh were we going to do our disclaimer? Yeah, our disclaimer is that we're going to talk about this man and his life. I have like a whole big long thing on like his biography, basically. Uh, but and we are going to talk about like his problematic views on race and gender and just like individualism as a whole. But we're going to do that more in depth later. So upfront, yes, before we talk about this guy for a long time, possibly two episodes, I think probably definitely two episodes. Yeah, he he was he was a misogynist and a racist. Let's just get that out of the way up front. We know that. We'll talk more about it later. Cool? Cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that was everything we wanted to talk about at the beginning. Shall I tell you the story of Alistair Crowley's life? Please. Okay. I did my I was not expecting to take so long. <laughs> but this dude is fascinating. He had a crazy life. He did a lot of stuff. And every time he did a lot of people. I read another thing about him. I missed a whole other life event that happened to him. So I had to keep going back and adding more. So I am sorry if this jumps around and is wacky, but dude was a wacky guy who jumped around a lot in the world. Okay, let's do it. 
Alistair Crowley was born Edward Alexander Crowley on October 12th, 1875. And he was a famous British occultist. Comes up nearly every time you're doing occult research. But before that, he was born into wealth. His father was the heir to a brewing fortune, Crowley's Alton Ales. It's a little microbrewer situation. And his father was an evangelist for the Plymouth Brethren. But young Alistair, then Alexander, had an aversion to Christianity. He never liked it. He kind of chafed at that his whole childhood. Uh, And he had a strange relationship with his mother, who referred to him as the Beast, which he clearly really enjoyed we already said that he said beast 666 was his nickname and he kind of uses that later in his work his father died when he was 11 and he did have a good relationship with his father so this really affected him and he inherited his uh wealth from his father he got about a third of his father's fortune at the age of 11 wow Nothing bad happens when you give children immense wealth. No, no, that's only good things can happen. (laughs) Uh, So he had a troubled schooling. Uh, He got (laughs) after his father died. uh, He's acting out a bit. He got in trouble with his teachers for smoking, Mm -hmm. uh, pointing out the inconsistencies in the Bible to his religious (laughs) teachers, his religious schools. (laughs) So many people that I know in modern times, like, my actual living friends have done that and they got in trouble at religious school. Like, Wait. But did they get in trouble for masturbating? Because <laughs> that was on the list of things he got in trouble at school for. They were like boarding well, schools, so he was like living there, right? Yeah, we're assuming but that he, he wasn't got caught. I'm doing assuming this in he his wasn't dorm doing not this in science class. class. <laughs> but I don't know, given his later proclivities. And he also got in trouble for having sex with sex workers at school. He would bring prostitutes to his dorm. So I mean, uh, this if is you were high school. To that, my mouth by just the way, opened. This is high school. Can you imagine, like <laughs> the wealth? This mm-hmm. is what happens when you give a child too much money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he started using the name Alistair in college, uh, and this is his own words. This is the only time I'm going to read his own words. I think on why he went by the name Alistair because I just thought that this was very indicative of who he was as a person for many years i had loathed being called alec partly because of the unpleasant sound and sight of the word partly because it was the name by which my mother called me edward did not seem to suit me and the diminutives ted or ned were even less appropriate alexander was too long and sandy suggested toe hair and freckles I had read in some book or other that the most favorable name for becoming famous was one consisting of a dactyl followed by a spondee, as at the end of a hexameter, like Jeremy Taylor. Alistair Crowley fulfilled these conditions, and Alistair is the Gaelic form of Alexander. To adopt it would satisfy my romantic ideals. That was something that I did notice, like you brought up romantic with a capital R, and Alistair Crowley being born in 1875 is a child of like the romantic movement. I'm sure like I saw on his Wikipedia page, he was a fan of Percy Shelley. Like he is the Edwardian slash like early 20th century child of like ye old Victorian goths. Totally. Like the go- 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so his... like that was the soup that he grew up in. Those were his countercultural icons. Were like the Shelleys. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's that's why he changed his name. Because <laughs> we should all get to decide what our name is. Oh yeah, I just I just thought that that was like a really good little like snippet of who he was as a person. That writing on changing his name for sure. So he so that he could be famous. So that he could be famous. And I mean, he's not wrong. He's super famous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, he is an attention seeker. That is clear. But yeah, so uh he eventually drops out of college because he like just has so much money. He doesn't really need to go to college and he travels extensively. Um, he has his first mystical experience while traveling in Stockholm. And many of his biographers believe that this was the result of his first same-sex sexual experience, which he then, after this, recognized his bisexuality, uh, which super mod for the time. That's neat. And this person was uh, who was his same-sex sexual partner was Herbert Charles Pollitt. And he was president of the Cambridge University Footlights Dramatic Club. And Cambridge is uh, where Crowley went to school. Uh, And they broke apart because Pollitt did not share Crowley's increasing interest in Western esotericism. And apparently this was a breakup that Crowley would regret for a long time. He referenced it in his writing later that he was sad about it. So in March 1898, he obtains A.E. Waits' The Book of Black Magic and of packs and weight is the weight of the Smith weight deck. Um, Mm -hmm. So the creator co-creator of the Smith weight deck Uh, and this book really furthered Crowley's interest in occult ideas. The same year Crowley published uh, multiple collections of poetry, which he I am not going to mention every time this man publishes some poems because he publishes poems all the time. It's a very prolific writer writing a lot of poetry. I'm just mentioning some of the notable ones or ones that I found amusing. And this is the year that he published a collection of erotic poetry called White Stains. <laughs> that is the worst name I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, that's why I wrote so it down. <laughs> um i guess i shouldn't critique him because he was incredibly sexually progressive for his time but on on the white stains (laughs) thing we'll criticize him for plenty of stuff um and this is the year that he left college he left college in 1898 um so he joins the hermetic order of the golden dawn in 1898 as well this has come up in other podcast episodes we'll probably do one on just the order at some point in the future but they were a not so secret society of esoteric magic at this time Mm -hmm. um there he practiced ritual magic with alan bennett who was one of the senior members of the hermetic order of the golden dawn he even invited bennett to live with him as his personal magic tutor and they were stoner magic roommates together. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> For a while. And then fun fact, this is also the year that he wrote one of the earliest bouldering guides because he was a noted rock climber at the time. I'm going to have to look this up. It's wild. There are there are multiple articles on different rock climbing websites about him. 
it, I, I'm going to cover it a bit. I'm covering his two most noted failed climbing missions, but he was a successful climber. He did successfully climb things, but I'm going to cover the two most noted failed ones later. Wait, bouldering was a thing? He, he I, it, Supposedly, this is one of the first publications about bouldering. So it was a thing. It was becoming a thing. For those who don't, don't know... So I, I was a shitty teenager who rock climbed a lot um, is when it's climbing with no ropes. It's short things, usually like in the 15 ish foot range. And you put like essentially a wee mattress underneath you and have your buddy make sure you land on the mattress when you fall. Ideally, if you're successful, you get onto the top of the thing and come down in a controlled manner. But no ropes, little mattress to land on. Yeah, but there are not there was a thing that long ago. Yeah, there are diagrams that he drew of different holds to do on like a specific shape of boulder and stuff. So he was real into it. Um, he also well, I I I don't think I mentioned this, but uh, and I don't remember the dude's name, but one of the dudes or a dude that he does one of the failed expeditions with, and he does some successful expeditions with too, is the dude who invented the like modern like foot climby things what are they called the squares on yeah those the dude who invented those he was buds with and climbed mountains with i because there's like a really big difference between like mountaineering and like what like mountain climbing and rock climbing so i i saw in his wikipedia that he did like some mountaineering expeditions but i did not know that he was just like a straight up rock climber as well yes and so was that guy who he who I can't remember the name of that he was buds with who invented the crampons. Yeah, it, it sounds like they both did both because crampons are for essentially really hard hikes, not for climbing on rocks. Uh, Oscar Eckenstein, that guy, <laughs> climber and bouldering pioneer, uh, was BFFs with Aleister Crowley because a ton of people were BFFs with Aleister Crowley. <laughs> He seems to have met a phenomenal amount of people. Wasn't friends with anyone for his whole life, though. <laughs> he was... No, 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 no. He seemed like his his uh, relationships burned hot and fast. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Out. <laughs> so, yes, that was his bouldering guide. Fun fact. He bought a house in Scotland in 1899, and he there developed a love of Scottish culture and even started wearing traditional Highland dress. Uh, when he was in England because he kind of wanted to piss them off. And this is a precursor to future cultural appropriation that he will do. So he continued to write poetry and rise in the ranks of the Order of the Hermetic Golden Dawn. He was unpopular with many members of the group because of his uh, open bisexuality and hedonism and drug use. Uh, and he had feuds with some members, including W.B. Yeats. W.B. Yeats and him really didn't like each other and had a feud going on. And the London Lodge of the Order wouldn't let him advance into the Second Order, like the next rung of the Secret Society. So he visited the founder of the Order, Samuel Liddell McGrether Mathers, in Paris uh, basically to whine and complain. And he was personally admitted into the Adeptus Minor grade, uh, which is like an even higher level than what he was trying to get into before. Uh, so what is the point of a secret society if it's not intensely hierarchical? Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta pay your dues and work your way up into the whatever. <laughs> um, this, because uh, Mathers 
like raised him despite the London Lodge not wanting that to happen caused strife between the London Order and Mathers and Crowley along with Mathers's mistress attempted to seize the Vault of the Adepts which was a temple space in West Kensington from the London Lodge members and they actually took the case to court <laughs> and it was ruled in favor of the London Lodge because they paid the space's rent so like he just shows you up and imagine. is like i'm gonna take your clubhouse that you pay rent for <laughs> oh man yes i'm sure uh, it's not the wildest stuff that judge has seen probably not yeah uh <laughs> but this left both uh crowley and mathers the founder of the group isolated from that london branch of the group and they kind of branched off Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> he then travels around the world for a few years experimenting with ceremonial magic and appropriating cultures of various places he visits um he I'm has sure climbing some mountains oh yeah yeah he climbs some mountains he has some affairs he writes poems about those affairs uh he meets back up with stoner magic roommate alan bennett in ceylon and the two decide to become buddhist monks for a while like then, you do and then they what get bored <laughs> i just don't understand what it is about white people that when they go to other cultures they decide they need to be the shaman the guru the leader it's like why can't you just like learn they they always decide like i don't like i need to take the ayahuasca like i need to become the guru and have it's a sanskrit have- name mind <sighs> it's because they have main character syndrome but yeah then they get bored with being buddhist monks And then they become practitioners of yoga in India. And this is when Crowley tries to climb K2. Oh, God. Which hadn't been done yet. And he... uh, It's still hard. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't successfully done until 50 years after he tried it. Uh, And he gets influenza, malaria, and snow blindness on this expedition. Um, I did see the picture of him sitting butt-ass naked in a pool looking depressed after that, (laughs) which is a great image. He looks exactly like modern-day rock climbers look. Like, that's... It's good to know we haven't changed in 150 years. Yeah. Um, And then after that, he apparently gets sick of appropriating Asian culture for a little bit and moves on to France. Um, And also, Alan Bennett stayed in Asia and continued to practice yoga and buddhism and is a big part of like why buddhist like western versions of buddhist practices are popular here today because he like comes over here and does a a lot of guruing maybe we'll talk about him sometime (laughs) oh there is so much of that yes yeah he was he was one of the original versions of that one of the starters of that thing the first white yoga teachers yeah (laughs) (laughs) what a pioneer (laughs) it hurts so much uh okay in 1904 he's in france he has a really good friend gerald kelly who is a painter and he was a pretty prominent painter at the time not like super famous i don't think you would know any of the paintings that he has painted but he was like deep into the art scene hanging out with artists at the time and crowley marries gerald kelly's sister rose edith kelly in a marriage of convenience to prevent her from entering an arranged marriage but he 
then decided that he actually loved her and wrote some poems about it and was really into the relationship later so hooray (laughs) um did she feel the same way eventually it seems yes Mm. um she also wasn't really into the occultism at the beginning and it was definitely just like to get out of this arranged marriage but then she is into the occultism later cool cool the kelly family was not pleased with this and this damaged his relationship with gerald because they the the family wanted her to be in the arranged marriage right I'm sure a lot of daughters of wealthy families uh, these days, like their families get mad when they marry a dirty climbing bum. Mm-hmm. This is uh, now that, I mean, like, I know he did, like, I, I saw on his Wikipedia page that he did some hiking, but it just makes so much more sense now that I know he's a dirty climbing bum. Oh, yeah. Please continue. <laughs> the couple honeymooned in Cairo. I bet they did a little cultural appropriating there. They claimed to be a prince and princess while they were renting an apartment. (laughs) And Crowley set up a temple room and began invoking ancient Egyptian deities while studying Islamist mysticism and Arabic. Um, And he had mystical experiences while there. Apparently, Rose regularly became delirious and informed him, they are waiting for you. Spooky. On the 18th of March... Uh, she explained that they, in the they were are waiting for you, was the god Horus. And on the 20th of March, she proclaimed that the equinox of the gods has come. And she led him to a nearby museum where she showed him a 7th century BCE mortuary stele. I think it's stele. Is it steel? Do you know this? I don't know the pronunciation of this, but, but that bit just basically means Egyptian like beautiful carven Egyptian uh, mural. Yes. Uh, and it was known as, I want to say, I, I'm guessing it's not steel because there's not two E's. Um, think, yeah. The stele of Ankh F. N. Kongsu. And Crowley thought that it was important that the exhibit's number was 666. <laughs> uh, and then he later claimed a being called Awas, the messenger of Horus, dictated it is- a it's so important that the special white person gets a foreign name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A being called <laughs> Awas uh, dictated a prose poem to him, The Book of Law. Uh, and it's time now to mark off our bingo boards for being dictated a book by God in your religion founding <laughs> bingo boards. So go ahead, mark that one off. <laughs> Uh, and uh crowley claims that he wrote down everything the voice of awas told him over the next three days the book proclaims that humanity was entering a new aeon that crowley would be the prophet of of course of course (laughs) that's the way it is when deities speak to you you're the most special of the prophets uh Crowley eventually made this the basis of a new religion he called Thelema, but he put the book in his back pocket for a minute and he claimed that he resented it and he was saying that he was personally ignoring the teaching of the books like he was the he was commanded by Awas to swipe the Stella a from the museum to fortify his own island and to translate the book into all of the world's languages. Uh, so he was like, I don't want to do that. I resent this book. And so he just like didn't do any of that. And he just instead sent the book to several of his occult buddies for them to read. This is the classic part in the hero's journey, the rejection of the call. 
Yes. So he is he's rejecting <laughs> the call of Awas. Oh my god, I have so much more to read. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought that might be a good break point, but I, I don't I think that that won't be half. So we'll continue onward, I guess. <laughs> we can at least are we at the, the end of his exploits on his extended honeymoon in Cairo? That was the end of his extended honeymoon in Cairo, yes. They okay. now come back to England. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when they came uh, back to England, he fell out with Mathers, who, if you remember, he was the founder of the Order of the Hermetic Dawn, uh, the gold, golden hermit with it, the, the order thing. And mm-hmm. he fell out with him because he believed that Mathers was using magic against him. So this is just another friend falling out situation that we're having. Uh, mm-hmm. Rose had his first child. Want to guess what they named her? Lilith. You're right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, most stereotypical spooky people name ever. Believe <laughs> oh that I didn't see that before. <laughs> and he uh, wrote Rose some pornographic poems to make her feel better while she was recuperating from giving birth. I don't think I'd like that. Um, she did apparently (laughs) i I see that it's coming from a place of love but if i had okay Mm -hmm. i'm glad that it worked for them yeah um and he founded a published publishing company to publish his own poems uh the name of the Mm -hmm. publishing company was the society for the propagation of religious truth which was a parody on the society for promoting christian knowledge so mm-hmm. he was always kind of a little dick who wanted to mess with Christian norms, which is amusing to me. Aye. His poetry work uh, was really divisive and either received like really good reviews or really, really terrible reviews. And it never sold very well. Mm-hmm. Then he fucked off to Asia <laughs> where he tried to climb Kanchenjunga. Is that how you say that? I don't know that one. That's another big famous mountain that white people didn't manage to climb for another 50 years or whatever. And on this, this is his last big climbing expedition. And this, Mm -hmm. he was such a jerk to the porters who are like, you know, the local guides that are guiding them up the mountain. Uh, He was Mm -hmm. beating them multiple times and he really wanted to press ahead, even though the other members of his party were like, this is unsafe. We shouldn't be doing this. That his group, including X, was it Eckenstein? The the yeah, Eckenstein, the the dude, the climbing dude we talked about before was mm-hmm. on this journey and he tried to mount a coup against <laughs> Alistair Crowley for being such a jerk. <laughs> uh and the wow. coup was unsuccessful. Uh they didn't <laughs> they didn't like stop him from being the leader of this mission somehow. And uh, several people died in the return journey and they they didn't make it up the mountain. And that was his last big climbing expedition. What a bummer. Yeah. So he continues to hang out in Asia. He does some big game hunting that that one goes under privileged white man bingo cards. And uh, he wrote some homoerotic poems. Uh, The one was called The Scented Garden. So that was another really good poem name I wanted to call out. Not as good as the white stains. It's not as good as white stain. 
<laughs> and Rose and Lilith met him and toured southern China with him. Um, and they did general rich people touring southern China things like smoking opium and appropriating culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Played a and- lot of dress up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they met some other people who were into uh, Thelema mm-hmm. stuff while they were there, but still not. We still haven't fully founded the religion yet. Because uh, mm-hmm, so he's he, still sitting on his uh, Egyptian god dictated book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just like friends have it. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to Britain um, after unsuccessfully trying to get an, an, another mountain expedition off the ground but he's kind of like famous for failing in that last mountain expedition so no one wants to like help him go mountain expeditioning anymore and he has fallen out with his best mountain buddy Eckenstein so yeah is he famous like in the community for failing or for beating the crap out of the porters and being a dick both he's famous for yeah. both. <laughs> i mean like because the, the other guys were failing too right but they didn't yeah. want to hang out with him anymore because he was being a dick oh my goodness so he he goes back to britain and there he learns that lilith his daughter uh died of typhoid oh no yeah well still in being in southern china and uh crowley later blames rose uh for this because rose has become a bit of an alcoholic and so he blames her for that and not you know being a super domestic mom who's caring about the kid interesting meanwhile he's not in the same country as the kid yeah <laughs> little hypocritical yeah so he has some sad sex uh, <laughs> and he performs some rituals uh, and this marks a turning point in his life so uh, this is where he writes some more texts that were dictated to him by Awas and uh, he writes the Thelemic Holy Books and he says he found the manuscript for uh, the Book of Law uh, which is that original book that was dictated to him by Awas in his house in June of 1909. And this is when he he like looked at it and he read it and he decided that Thelema represented objective truth. Uh, and this is when we like we like found the religion. Uh, so Thelema mm-hmm. is the Greek word for will. And the book of law states that the supreme moral law is do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And a lot right. of people interpret this as a way to justify a life of self-indulgence, self-indulg- but that is not how Crowley defined it. He defined it as the will, like the will to the ability to control the actions of others or to change things in your surroundings through one's own psychic powers. Um, is he the first manifester? I think he <laughs> <laughs> uh the, uh, the order of the hermetic golden dawn definitely had a bit of manifesting too but yeah he, he had his own little flavor of manifesting the book of law suggests that its followers should align themselves with their true will through the practice of sex magic nice. so it's time to pull out your nice. bingo cards again because this is when his inheritance was beginning to run out <laughs> So this is why he chooses to like make an actual religion now, right? It's time to form and your publish cult some books because you're running out of money. You gotta form that cult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so he had started taking paying students a few a few years prior like students of magic but now he wants to form his own order to act as a successor to the hermetic older order of the golden dawn Mm -hmm. and he founds the aa i'm gonna call it the aa i don't know if that's how you're supposed to pronounce it because it's like the greek letters huh yeah and there's i don't know if it's too yeah i don't know if it's supposed to be the alpha alpha i'm not i'm not certain but i'm gonna call it the aa because which is not alcoholics anonymous yeah i don't yeah i'm not i'm not certain i should probably look this up (laughs) because i'm gonna Mm -hmm. say this a bunch for the rest of the episode but the group's rights borrowed a lot from the golden dawn but they added a thelematic basis um which basically a whole lot of screwing yeah yeah lots of sex magic and he started a biannual publication called the equinox which is the official like mouthpiece for this order and also around this time he divorces rose on the grounds of his own adultery (laughs) because he (laughs) because he was frustrated with her alcoholism at least he was self-aware and they remained at least he didn't throw her under the bus yeah they remained friends and she continued to live at his house but she was institutionalized because of her alcoholism two years later Mm -hmm. so now that we founded the religion i think that this might be a good time to pause and we'll 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 continue and explore how this religion goes for him later nice nice wonderful oh my gosh that was such a fascinating story and thank you so much for doing that research and I can't wait to hear the second half. I am so delighted to hear that he was the climbing bum. Um, yes. That makes so much of this make sense to me in my head. Stay tuned for next week when we hear the thrilling story of the second half of Aleister Crowley's life. And in the subsequent weeks after that, we're going to hear about some of the uh, descendants of his like thoughts. Yeah. His, um what are they called? Philosophical children. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. <laughs> His mind <laughs> children. <laughs> exactly. Uh, did you have anything to promote this week? I am going to have a B-grade shop updates on Tuesday, February 14th for Valentine's Day. And that is the day that this episode comes out. So um, I will be having a update on the 19th i think that's the sunday the sunday after valentine's day i'll be having an update we having my mandalorian self-striping uh and so you can get that shipped to you in time to cast on for the season three premiere nice hooray sweet so if you are looking to find us anywhere around the internet please head on over to fibercoven.com And that will have links to show notes for this episode and all of our other episodes, links to our Patreon, where you can get in on our fun Discord video hangouts, uh, as well as all of our other Patreon content. And it will also have links to my yarn and Emily's merch and patterns and anything else you might want to know about us. Fibercoven.com is where you go. So until next week, Kevin, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye. Bye.